All right, we're doing a series I started last week called It's Okay. So let's practice. One, two, three. It's okay. It's okay. Who's ever said that to somebody? It's okay. Who's ever had someone say it to you? How many here need to say it to yourself a little more? It's okay. All right, before I get in, just a quick survey here. What gets your crank started? Huh? You, yeah, traffic. I mean, things get you. What, what is it that, that gets you off your game, right? And there's so many things that if you could think about it, they get you off. They throw you off. They mess with you. And now you are in that moment a much worse version of yourself. And what I want to do for this series is talk about what Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, don't worry, don't worry. Isn't it amazing how Jesus talked about these things that we're so inclined to do? No wonder he was such a popular teacher. The human mind is always wanting to worry about something. Just think about it. From the time you get up to the time you go to bed, there's a constant sort of... uh, you would almost call it a need because it feels like it. What about this? I don't know about that. What about the weather? What about the politics? What about our country? What about this? What, what about the economy, right? What about my job? What about my boss? What about my neighbor? What about the kids? And worry starts to take over the productive part of your life. And so Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store away in barns. Now, these are all the things we teach our kids, right? You've got to get out there and work. You've got to sow some seeds. You've got to do, and I'm for that. I'm for working and it's storing away. I'm actually pro-saving. <laughs> I think we could do a little more of it in America. But he's saying it's not about all of this. Yet, he says, your heavenly Father does what? Feeds all these birds. He takes care of them. The point is, and he, he goes on in, to teach, God knows what you need even before you ask. That worrying might be a massive, massive waste of time. He goes on to say, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Who of you, by worrying, think about this, can actually do anything beneficial for your own life. Isn't it amazing? We do it anyway, and Jesus is saying, it's, you can't actually do anything productive or beneficial by worrying. Because listen, there's a lot of things in life that you cannot, what? Control. You can't control. And so, actually what happens is this. You can be harmful to your life by worrying. Not only is it not helpful, it doesn't add anything, it actually subtracts from your life. This is so huge. Worry takes away. It takes away time. Ask your doctor. They will tell you it's bad for your heart. It's bad, it's bad for your system. It's bad for your life. It, by the way, it's bad for your kids. It's bad for your relationships. Worry is an absolute toxicity. And so what we're trying to say is don't worry. 
Don't worry. Yeah, Chris, but you don't know. I'm sure I don't. Nonetheless, there are things that you can change, and there are things that you cannot change. What if, he says, look at the birds of the air. What if we looked different places? When we're inclined to worry, we looked different places. If you look at the birds of the air, you realize, just, just look at a blue jay. For a while, not for like four seconds, but just look at them. Flying here, over there, picking up something here, carrying it over there. If we looked in different places, we might encounter a different realm where we understood that in God's realm, everything is okay. So let me back up. Last week, I talked about Paul being caught up. Who was here last week? Who was here last week? Who skipped? Just so I know. I can give you a growl. All right. Last week, we talked about Paul being caught up. He had an experience. He calls it being caught up into what he called the third heaven, and he also called it paradise. He had an experience that he said, I can't actually put into words. Words don't do it justice. You ever had an experience that words couldn't do justice? Think about this. You can read people who have these encounters, mystical experiences. Sometimes people have these near-death experiences. I, I started reading about them and started noticing some similarities between Paul's and these other experiences. Here's one of the common things. People don't have words. They always go, oh, because people ask about them. I watch different people. I watch an Oprah interview with a neurosurgeon doctor who had a near-death experience, and he didn't believe in God, and he didn't believe in the next life, and he didn't believe in another realm. He didn't believe in any of this stuff because he said consciousness is all in your brain. And he was a brain neurologist, and he knew that consciousness started with his brain. But then he went into a coma personally, and his brain, his neocortex stopped functioning well, and yet he had unbelievable conscious experience, and he talks about it. And I watched person after person interview, and this is what they said. This is the feeling. Everything's okay. When they got to that experience, that realm, whatever it is, they all had the common thing. Sharon Stone, quote, I wrote it down as a quote. When I got there, I had this experience. I thought everything's okay. Wouldn't it be amazing Maybe, and that's what Paul was talking about, the peace of God transcending human understanding because you look around and go, no, no, it's not okay. This is wrong. That's wrong. Who gets up in the morning and just make a list of what's wrong in your life? This is wrong. And what does that do? It takes away your peace. What if you start in this realm and you say, everything's okay? So if we believed, if we looked to the birds It could be different. We could have peace and we could get up every day and say, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I don't understand, no matter what what I wish was different, it's okay. Let's practice. One, two, three. It's, It's okay. My Heavenly Father knows what I need. That's why God doesn't always, quote, answer our prayers. Because sometimes we're praying for the wrong thing. Isn't this true? How many of you, you're, okay, how many of you who have kids, their kids have ever asked for the wrong thing? 
all the time. Is this right? The answer is no. And some of you, let's be honest, don't even answer anymore. Is this true? It's like, I'm not even answering. I'm not even going to answer that. Because it's, in other words, it seems like God's not answering, but sometimes we don't know what we want, or we want something that we think is good for us, but is not. But besides that, what if we just put our, ourself and our life into the loving and trusting hands of God that, you know what? I don't understand it all, but I'm going to trust that it's going to work out. Now, today, I want to talk about this. Judging. Jesus goes on to say, after the section in the Sermon on the Mount about worry and don't worry, he goes on to say, do not judge. Let's just say it together. One, two, three. Do not judge. Now, this is a verse we like to quote to other people when we feel like they're judging us. But maybe we should understand it to be for us that we should not judge. We go, well, of course, I have to do some judging. Huh? Put your hand up. I got to do some judging. I, I mean, of course, I got to do some judging. As soon as church is over, guaranteed, more than 80% of you will judge me. It's a guarantee. Some of you will judge me. But it's true. I already know. It's like we were talking about the sermon, and geez, Chris, really? <laughs> one lady said to me one time, I know you're not getting enough sleep because of Charlie, so I'm giving you a pass for a while. Literally, someone said that to me. Wouldn't it be great to be me? I'm giving you a pass for a while because of Charlie. I know you're not getting that much sleep. They're not coming out that good right now. So I know. This is human nature. I've got to judge. I've got to judge. I've got to decide if this is good or not good. If you did a good job or not. If you're a good person or not a good. I've got to decide, is this the right team or not the right team? But they, well, but isn't that exactly what we're supposed to do? Think about it. Go back to the original story. You remember the original story in the garden? It says, okay, there's two trees, right? And then there's this tree you're not supposed to eat from. And the tree you're not supposed to eat from was called what? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, if, we, if life was about good versus evil, then we'd say, well, that's the evil tree. Don't eat from the evil tree. That is actually not the title of the tree. The tree is not called the evil tree. Most of us assume. We don't really listen to the story. We assume that's evil. And you participate in evil, and therefore you're bad. That's not what it's called. The knowledge of good and evil. I know what's right and what's wrong. I know who's good and who's bad. I can tell you this is a bad person, this is a good person. Now let me just help you first for a minute. Everybody, everybody in this room is a mixture of good and bad. Everybody. No, not me, Chris. Of course you are. On your best day. One in a hundred. On your best day, you're a mixture. You are. So am I. There's not a person in this room that's 100%, 100% pure, never does anything wrong or harmful to anyone. We're a mixture. Now, hopefully, we're, we're getting the ratio better. Who's working on getting the ratio better? Please. 
Let's get it that way. But we're a mixture. But what humans like to do is we like to judge. I call this judge or knowledge of good and evil. I know what is good. Isn't it funny? The original sin might have been, thou shalt not eat religion. What is most, I mean, the religion that most of us knew growing up? What was most religion that you knew growing up? This is good, this is bad, this is good. These people are good, these people are bad. This is right, this is wrong. I see some nods going out there. Yeah, that's actually what, that is actually what I grew up with. We're right. Guess who was always the right team? Huh? Who was always right? Who grew up Catholic? Weren't you the right people? Huh? God, just pray for them Protestants out there. God, help them. Huh? Who grew up Protestant? Oh, pray for them Catholics. Huh? Who were told to pray for Catholics? They're going down. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's true. Methodists, we're right. We're, coincidentally, conveniently, our team was always right. In other words, our whole introduction to God for many people was about judging, which Jesus clearly said, don't judge. And from the original story, the, the knowledge was the original sin. The original sin is, I know who's in, I know who's out. I know who's right, I know who's wrong. I'm going to sort this out. So I want to talk to us today. You know what keeps you from being okay? When you feel the need to sort everyone and everything out. i got to sort it out. Like you sort your laundry. Whites, darks, whites, darks, whites. Anybody? Things come at you, that's good, that's bad. This is correct, that's incorrect. Right? Uh, a, a Democrat said it, so it's correct. A Republican said it, so it's correct. A Republican said it, so it's incorrect. In other words, you can't filter anything. Ah, that's probably about 20% true, that's 30% true, even though I voted for him or her. Oh, all right, stay away from that entirely, I know. Your person's perfect, I know. All right, ready? We don't need to sort anything out. You, it comes at you, and you start with, yes. Yes. Okay. Oh. You don't start with no. You start with a yes. What did Paul say? All things are yes and amen in Christ. He said, okay. Oh, I never saw that before. I didn't know that before. I never met that person. I never, I never met that kind of a person before. The need to start with judging... I don't need to judge. Chris, you're, oh, oh, wait till the emails. Oh, yes, we do. That's what, because you grew up on it. Because you are addicted. You like, take that tree. You got more applesauce than Charlie on your face. You just suck in. It wasn't really apples, but anybody with me? You're addicted to that tree. You grew up on it. Of course, I got to tell who's right and who's wrong. That's what, that's what the whole game is about. No. A Jesus story. There was a farmer that went out to sow wheat in his field. He went out happily sowing his wheat in the field, but he had an enemy in his neighborhood who didn't like him. 
wanted to destroy his crop, so at night he went out and sowed uh, weeds, tares in his field. Very quickly, his farming staff realized, Sir, somebody has done a bad thing because there's all kinds of weeds growing up with your wheat. Should we go out there and pull all the weeds? Should we go do this? And he says to them, no, no. When you're pulling up the weeds, you're going to pull up the wheat too. You're going to destroy the whole thing. Ready? You ever had a great party going until you had a religious person show up? Ruin the whole thing? They got to sort everybody out. Or a really smart person. They got to tell everybody what's right and what's wrong. I got to tell everybody. I'm going to sort everybody out for everything. And it's like, no, just let it grow together. But that person's wrong. They're wrong about this. I have a fact. I have to tell them. Is, are you with me? Just go, ready? It's okay. It's okay. They'll sort it out. It'll get sorted out. It's the need to sort. I got to sort them. No, you're wrong. If they're wrong, someday they'll wake up. God will show them. And here's the thing. We always sort in the name of God. Huh? We always have God as our back coach. People always tell me, I got to do this. And the Lord told me, I got to. You know, read, read again. Jesus, God, don't, you don't have to sort it out. God will sort it all out. Really? But shouldn't he be doing a little more sorting out? Okay, let's talk about you sorting out. Who here has more than one child in your house? More than one. Okay. By chance, have they ever gotten into it? Just thought I'd take a flyer and see if I could connect. Um, did you sort it out exactly right? Don't even raise your hand. Don't even fool yourself. What, what do you know immediately? That's impossible to do. Who poked who first? Who put their hand across the line first? Who ate someone's cereal? You can't. Quit fooling your... Are you, are you right? At some point, you mature enough to go, I'm just going to kind of get close. You know what I mean? Uh, five minutes of time out for you. No cookies for you. Judgment. Boom. Put the gavel down. Come on, am I close or what? Am I close? What do you do? Do you just let them run wild? What do you do, people? I'm trying to connect. In other words, you just do your best guess. Am I right? You don't, you don't have it perfectly sorted out. That's crazy. That's crazy. I'm not saying you don't try to do anything. Of course, you try to do something. But here's the thing. You would be fooling yourself if you think, I have the perfect disciplinary system. I know 100% how much Joey was at fault and how much Jill was at fault. No, you don't. She's over there going, the minute he got the spanking and whatever, is this, say, Chris, why? Because right after worry, Jesus talks about judging. They're like right there in the same category. It drains all your life. It drains all your energy away. I got to sort this out. I got to settle this thing. I got to get everybody in the right categories. The late Dallas Willard 
called it condemnation engineering. Anyways, I'm going to try to engineer a better situation. I'm going to engineer a better person. And I'm going to use condemnation to do it. I'm going to condemn this and I'm going to condemn that. And that's what's going to make this person better or this situation better. And it doesn't work. What works is love. Love heals. Love restores. Love renews. You remember this story in, in Luke? And uh, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm close here, but they're traveling, and I think they're traveling in a Samaritan area, and the disciples and the Samaritans kind of don't get along, and so they come to travel, and they aren't given a welcome here. And so the disciples say, Lord, how about we call down fire on them? What do you think? They reject you. Let's give them fire. And they're recalling the prophets of old, right? They're calling the old prophets who would call down fire at people. And they're thinking, let's give them a little bit of that. And Jesus goes, uh, no thanks. We don't, we don't need to do that. We don't need to do that. But we're always ready to call down fire on people. I was ready to say, these are the bad people. And the bad people are never us. I think if there's anything that God wants us to do is just to find that portion of us that needs to be weeded out, that needs to die out. Is this... That sliver of you? No, no one has it? the unruly part of you, the old man, as Paul called him, whatever you, you, name you give the person. And that's the thing that needs to die out. Let God take care of it and sort it all out. Why, he goes, do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? I, I, no, I see something there. No. Nope. And he goes, and you've got to two-by-four sticking out of your eye. He says, you've got a plank in your eye, and you're looking at a... No, no, it's not. He's got the plank. Trust me, he's got the plank. What's Jesus trying to teach us? Judging, separating, sorting, calling down fire, condemning, all of these things. We think this is how you fix things. Now, listen carefully. And it doesn't actually fix things. Because I think if our heart is right, and sometimes, you know, our heart, I, I want to fix this. This is a problem. I got to do this. But it doesn't actually fix things. How do you bring, like, real transformative change when things aren't okay? When we had, when we had uh, slavery in America. Well, that's not okay. How do you fix it? These are the battles, right? When we had, um, in the 60s, a civil rights problem, how do we fix it, right? And what Dr. King focused in on was the actual teachings of Jesus, which talked about resistance in a nonviolent way. All of a sudden, my need to say that person's evil even though you certainly could want to say that, 
It wasn't about condemning people. It was about demonstrating love. So listen carefully. This is, I think, what Jesus tried to teach us all. Demonstrate love. Demonstrate love. Don't condemn, sort, categorize, blame. But demonstrate. And then if you can take a step back, like the farmer did in the, in the story Jesus told, and say, you know what? I wish the weeds and the weed weren't growing together, but you know what? I will let some of that stuff get sorted out in the end. I'll let it get sorted out in the end. Some of, some of us have been a part of this. Some of the most hurtful, painful, humiliating things have been done in the name of God, even in Christian churches, where people are sorting out the good and the bad. Um, no, you committed this sin. Nope, you can't have communion. What? So the one person that the one pastor knew the one thing about is to- turned around, march out of here, and the rest of the people just hide your sins or have church-acceptable sins, you know, like, like greed. Whoever gets turned around at communion for being greedy, uh, I sense that you're greedy. Hit the bricks. It's clearly, it's clearly not a good thing in Scripture. No one ever gets turned around for that. Is this true? Am I close? Am I in the, in the, in the ballpark? Well, that, well, that, well, of course, in church we accept that because you can give more money. If you're greedy, you make a lot of money. It's not our job to judge, to sort all these things out. Now, of course, when you're young, you're teaching your kids, they've got to make little decisions. And ju- okay, but when you grow up, you start to realize it's not the job. Jesus and his disciples, they go off, and they, they're, they're eating grain on a Sabbath. They're not supposed to. The religious people need to what? Judge that. Instead of saying, well... They were hungry. There was a unique circumstance. I think for the most part, they're okay. It doesn't matter. Why do I have to judge everything? Wouldn't it be great if we moved beyond judging, really? Accepting. Start with yes. I want to, first of all, say this. Jesus gives a second line. With the same judgment you use for others, it'll be used to you. In other words, as, as it often says, what goes around comes around. In other words, it's not good for you to be a judgmental person because it comes back to you. It comes back to you. Can I say one more thing? Observationally, judgmental people are some of the most unhappy people I've ever met in life. My little limited... 50-year observation of life. Judgmental people are some of the most unhappy. They're always mad. They're always frustrated because the categories are always putting... Just let it be. Wheat in the wheat. Let it be. Oh, some of you hate that story. Why did Jesus tell that story? 
How many weed pickers do we got out there? Come on. Nope, this guy's out. Just let it be. How many think God could be pretty good at his job? Then let him do it. I don't need to judge. Now you're free. Mm, I think this is, it's okay. One, two, three, it's, it's okay. So I don't need to get involved in that. How many always feel the need to get involved? All right, last story. How much time do I have? I have no idea. Did it die? Am I done? Do you want to hear the last story or you want to get out of here? You want to hear it? No, you don't. I'll tell it next week. Is there any... All right. Four-minute story, she says. When I was in college, my buddy and I were driving like a mile from the college, and uh, we drove by this little gas station, convenience store, and we looked over, and there was two kids in a fight. But not only in a fight, but one kid just pounding the other kid, just pounding him. So we pulled the car over. It was like a Friday night. And he just pulled the kid off. He said, hey, man, come on, leave this kid alone. And, you know, I don't know how old they were. Maybe, maybe they were around our age. You know, maybe they're a little younger. Um, and uh, so the kid, we pulled, we, hey, man. All right. And uh, so the kid that we pulled off that was on top, he's like, man, I, I, was, I wanted nothing to do with this guy. He just came after me. So as we're talking, it's all right, come on inside, cool off. We're just trying to separate them. The, two. the kid that we helped, the kid that was on the ground getting his face beat in, starts coming after us, the two guys that helped him. This true story. My friend who this happened to is, true story, this guy came after him. He's from New York, so I don't know. Like, I guess there's a Flint temper, and maybe in the New York one, the temper is just like this much. But... It, he snapped. Did I, did I mention we're like one mile from our Bible college? Did I mention this? And they start going at it, right? My buddy, my roommate, Kenny, and this guy start going at it. I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. And, and, and Kenny has him down on the ground. Now he's doing the same thing this other kid was doing because the kid was like, I think he was on drugs. I don't know what he was. He had lost his mind, right? He was going after us for helping. And, uh, and so I'm like, all right, I was going to try to get Kenny off of it and then just get out of here, right? True story, this guy reaches up, bites his eyebrow off. Not like into it, off. I mean, there's a chunk of it missing. To this day, if I go see my friend Kenny, his eyebrow in that section grows longer because they had to do a skin graft from his rear end, right? That's a true story. So he has to trim his eyebrows. What's the point? Don't get involved, otherwise you have your butt growing out of your eyebrow. That's the moral of the story today. Let's say it, it's okay. One, two, three, it's, it's okay. In a more serious note, you know, we should transcend a bit. Meditate, pray, go for a walk, hear the voice of God, watch the birds. Whatever that does that takes you away from worry, away from judging, and away from fear. Listen, do that more. It takes me away from worry, away from judging, and away from fear. Your heart rate starts going up, all that. No, no, no. Just go to the places where it goes down. Where you start hearing that voice, it's okay. My father's going to sort that out. It's okay. My father's going to give everything that I need.
go there more. I pray when you come to church, you do more of that. That when we sing songs, that it's your breath in our lungs that you just close your eyes and participate. And let God take you to a different realm. Because, my friends, there is another realm that we should visit more often. It's more real than this realm. And in that realm, everything's okay. I don't feel the need to judge, to blame, to worry.